Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything escape room. This week, I am very excited to be joined by Laura E. Hall of Meridian Adventure Co., who, among other many other things, has written a book called Planning Your Escape, Strategy Secrets to Make You an Escape Room Superstar. Woo! Welcome, Laura! Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So this is this has been a, a little while in the works. It's scheduling is a, is a thing, but I'm really glad we're able to to actually talk now and talk about this awesome book. But before we get into that, uh, for those who for those who listened, I believe we we interviewed uh, you or one of your team for Spark of Resistance, which you did a few years ago. But uh, for those who and for those who are in the escape room community, Laura E. Hall might be a very familiar name. And if it is not, don't worry, we are about to explain it. So, Laura, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, so I am a narrative uh, puzzle and game designer. I live in Portland, Oregon. And yeah, I'm also a nonfiction writer. Um, and so I, I recently wrote a book um, called Planning Your Escape, which is half history of the immersive entertainment genre from sort of like ancient history all the way up to escape rooms today. And then it's also half a uh, strategy guidebook, uh, you know, tips from the perspective of somebody who's been doing escape rooms since 2014. Like, here's all the stuff that I learned and wish I had known at the beginning now on paper for you to read to improve your game, for you to gift to somebody you want to know escape rooms better. Um, yeah, there, I, I think there's something for everybody. Uh, the history stuff is supposed to be for for people who like maybe don't necessarily need all the puzzle stuff as much, but are curious about like, how did this genre happen? Like what keeps bringing people <laughs> together? Um, and the end, yeah, I, I hope that uh, everybody can find something to enjoy in there. Yes. And you, you, like you say, you design uh, escape rooms as well. You have an online one available now, right? Little Soderbergh. Yes. Is it called? Yeah, yeah. The Traveler's Guide to Little Soderbergh. Yeah. It. it was yeah. A, a Terpica top 10 for online yeah. games this year. Congratulations. Um, thank Yay. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah, that, Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one was one. So obviously we designed it because of the pandemic shutting down our physical in-person game that we have here in Portland. Um, but we wanted to make something that was specific to the medium of the internet. And so it's like, uh, you know, light, light spoilers within, but not really. Um, it's a time travel adventure that takes you across um, a series of different websites to do collaborative puzzle activities. <laughs> fun yes so if you if you haven't played it do check it out uh so you just mentioned your book as well and you 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 touched on something that i wanted to to talk about almost immediately which is so this is a book what kind of what makes it unique in the you know i guess escape room book world of which i'm assuming it's a it's a pretty niche <laughs> Right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but unlike other books that are out there, which might be on how to design puzzles, how to design an escape room, this one is more how to design a team uh, to play an escape room. So it's kind of going from the other side of it. If you're if you're actually interested in playing escape rooms, but you know don't have either don't have much of a strategy or feel intimidated by the strategy, um, it's like if you know it, I think I feel like a an alternate title might be, so you want to be an escape enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, totally. So, yeah. So what uh, what prompted you to want to write this in the first place? So there's there's kind of a lot of things um, that went into it. So first of all, like there aren't any really like in-depth guides for newbies, right? Um, mm. This is all stuff that like I learned the hard way. <laughs> Um, like maybe I can, I can tell you a little bit about my history as a puzzle person to kind of set up some context for it. Um, yeah. I, when I was in college, I started playing alternate reality games, which were like online treasure oh, yeah. hunts. They, they play out through blogs. And I mean, this is like early internet stuff. Like mm-hmm. it was a big deal at the time for like flash mobs to be taking place. This was in that time period. Oh, I remember <laughs> flash mobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it was, like, mind-blowing that the idea you could coordinate all these people online and they would show up in person. Like, that was kind of the the thing, right? Facebook was brand new. YouTube was brand new. Anyway, so I was playing these puzzle games online, like, obsessively. But I never really thought, like, oh, yeah, I'm into puzzles. I'm great at these things because it's so collaborative. Like, that was never my role was the solving. I was always organizing or writing things down or footnoting the wikis or, you know, monitoring the, the forums or whatever. And so then when we uh, moved to Portland, one of my friends from the ARG forums was like, I'm going to throw you a party. I'm going to introduce you to all of these people. These will be your new friends. Welcome. Yeah. I never met this person before in real life. And he also took us to Puzzled Pint, which started here uh, in Portland. Yeah. Yep. And so finally, I was like, oh, I'm a puzzle person. Like, I can do this. (laughs) Um, And so we started doing, like, escape rooms competitively, like, you know, mystery hunt kind of stuff, um, weekend-long hunts. And we started doing um, games that had opened here on the West Coast. And on on the drive back from one of them, we were like, well, we're puzzle people, but we're also, like, video game designers and theater people Mm. and we do all of this other creative work like we should do this like how hard could it be obviously it's super hard but (laughs) (laughs) but like all of those things that I learned along the way right like no nobody told us it just sort of happened naturally coming out of online communities like how to organize yourselves or like how to work in a team to like not be mean to each other how to like work with each other's strings like all of that kind of stuff you know, I'm helping, I hope people shortcut their way into understanding sort of what's required. Cause like, you know, when you're booking an escape room, if you really think about it, it's like super mysterious. The process is like really yes, not, yeah. not transparent. You don't know what you're getting. You Maybe you have a photograph of the room, but maybe not. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. really kind of closed up and like, that's really intimidating and scary for a lot of people actually. And I think, you know, one of the things that separates like an enthusiast from a sort of member of the general public is like not being freaked out by that, not being afraid yeah. uh, or, or like stressed out by the pressure that that puts on you. So I kind of wanted to reveal um, a little bit of like the mystery of that, like what's going on behind the scenes from the point of view of like an owner, uh, just so that it's like not as intimidating for people who, are, who might just be starting out. That's awesome. Yeah. And I can imagine... Um- I can imagine like a lot of the stuff in the book are are lessons you learned yourself while while making your own team or developing your own team. Um, yeah. yeah. What what was one of the well that that's a good question. What was one of the uh, more 
challenge what was one of the biggest lessons you learned like out of your book you and you're very extensive in your in your coverage of like you know how to form a team how to treat each other learning your own roles within the escape room and that kind of thing what was one of your I guess hardest lessons when you started uh, playing <laughs> escape rooms <laughs> yeah well so so there's two things I think that I'll share um the first one is like something that I I recognized even in our in the first game that we ever played. I think there was like a Sudoku puzzle in that. And we had solved it enough to get the answer that we needed, right? Mm-hmm. And then my friend kept solving it. And I was like, <laughs> you don't you don't have to f- do that. Like we've already all moved on. And he was like, no, 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 I need to. And I was like, okay. That was one of my earliest lessons in like there's a certain level of uh I think enthusiast play where like you get the answer and then you, you drop it. And like, that's not a really natural behavior. Cause like you want, it feels, un- it feels weird to like walk away from it in the middle. Right. Yeah. Well, it feels yeah. like the middle, like technically you've gotten it, you're done, but like yeah. so, so being able to um, drop it and move on, I think was one of the, yeah. the biggest lessons of like, what I should be doing versus what I had been doing. Um, <laughs> But all those empty squares yes, exactly. need to be filled in. <laughs> well, and that, that's one of the things like in the book, I, I advise like people talk about that because um, if you have a padlock with three digits and mm. you can just spin the dial to get the last digit, like people get mad if you don't solve that the right way. Like if you just spin yeah. that dial and you haven't talked about it, like you might be upsetting your teammates. <laughs> Um, that's that's very true we usually try and announce when we're doing it like oh i have three i'm going for the fourth sometimes we get a little afraid to do it because the only reason we might not do it is because like if there's some vital clue that's going to give it and we find that vital clue later we're not going to be 100 percent sure necessarily that we've used it already (laughs) technically yeah Um, and then the the other thing that I think was like one of my most important lessons um, actually comes from having kind of learned through Puzzled Pint about puzzling and like kind of how the dynamic could go. Um, but one of the, the Puzzled Pint principles is like it should always be fun. And if it's not fun, you should ask for a hint. <laughs> right. So, like, that was so helpful to learn early on. Like just ask yeah. for the hint, just confirm the answer, just get the information that you need. Because if you're not having fun, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, so that's, I feel that like that's going to, yeah, I feel like that's a lot of newbies, um, chal- newbie challenges. Like when it comes to like uh, getting used to the escape room format, asking for a hint is up there uh, because it's, it's considered a failure if you ask for a hint early on, like, or like, I know that that was one of our things, right? Like, oh my God, if we ask for it, that means we've technically failed because we couldn't solve it under our own brain power. And <laughs> that was the whole point. And, yeah. and no, now we're like, no, it's going to, if we don't get this, it's going to stop us from having fun. And right. <laughs> we just want to move on. So we try to be sparse with our hint asking, but we know that like, if the moment we start to reach frustration, we're or, like, if we reach that, point of frustration uh where it starts to become not fun anymore it's like just ask for him just just get, yeah. give us the answer totally. we don't want to do it anymore well i'm like a well-delivered hint is an art form right like mm. most of the time it's either 
keep going at what you're doing <laughs> or you're completely on the wrong track, move on, right? Like that's yeah. a lot of the time that's all the hint you need. <laughs> oh, okay. It's like you're on the right track, keep going. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Sometimes just that much of a nudge is good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. Another thing about your book is that, like you were saying, it focuses on the history of the escape room. And it's funny, I, I'll admit, like when I was reading it, I I saw like, okay, here's the history of the escape room. And I thought, you know, like I know you were gonna you you prefaced it with like, we're gonna go back to see like what influenced escape rooms. And so I was like, okay, we've got film, we've got like video games, we've got this. You go back a hell of a lot earlier. You go <laughs> all the way back, which I found very interesting, straight back to like ancient Mesopotamia. It's like, let's, yes. let's, let's see the path, yeah. the trajectory that immersive entertainment has taken yes. over thousands yes. of years. Well, let's, it's also partly because, um, these kind of things that we're we're super into are really ephemeral, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially because there's so much secrecy around it. People don't necessarily document pictures of the inside or like what the puzzles were or what the technology was in a way that's like ever going to be accessible to people in the future. Um, and then like once the facility closes down, like that's gone. Um, so <laughs> it's, that's it's true kind of it's very true yeah yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to write a hundred year book right like I mm -hmm. I wanted a century from now if somebody's like what was up with that random <laughs> thing that people like what is it that, like people were going in a locked room for fun like that's you know yeah. it's like us uh, <laughs> talking about the Victorians or something or pe people at the turn of the the 1900s like we're like, oh, that's a weird fad. Like, what are, what were they up to? Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the Victorians had a, had a lot of those. My God. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure there was a reason other than they were bored and needed to make up a rule about something. But, yeah, <laughs> there was some weird yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had read um, – there was there's, like, a romance novel that was written about telegraphs, um, like, at, at the time that telegraphs were, like, actually in use. And it just captured all of this stuff about like, I don't know, just like quirks and slang that people used around it and stuff. And that that has always yeah. really stuck with me. Um <laughs> there's also like when you're when you're reading like ancient Roman writings about Britain, for example, there's there's mm. not many sources about it. This is this is like not 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 irrelevant. No, no, I I'm I mean I, I love history, so I'm just like yeah. please tell me more. Yeah, well, one one of them says in their notes like oh so much has been written about this that I don't need to repeat it and blah blah blah, and they just kind of summarize it. Well, all that other stuff is gone. <laughs> So all we have is the note saying, see other notes. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> that's, it's, it's just like, if you don't write it down, it might actually just disappear. So anyway, do you know what, as a that, bookkeeper, that's actually, that's something, that's something where it's sort of like, when we, we talk to our, our clients and stuff, we're like, just make a lot of memos, okay? And make them descriptive. You might think it's descriptive enough. It's not. And then, yeah. you know, five years from now, I see a note like that, like, oh, see this spreadsheet that doesn't exist anymore because the computer crashed some at some point. And yeah. you're like, well, I don't know why you made the decision that you did, but I now need to know because now we're in trouble. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I also see it. Yeah. Like I also, I was reading, Um, I don't know if you agree with this, but like uh, I was reading an article, like just about 
science and stuff like scientific discoveries and what i liked about your book is it kind of followed this this path where it's like we're not we tend to view recent developments in like a, a glass jar right like we kind of see mm-hmm. them as a singular thing and we don't often think about just how much history and work is actually behind that moment leading up to that one either design decision or that scientific discovery like you say like oh yes like galileo discovered uh like was the one to say or isaac newton was the one to discover gravity but i'm like but there was a lot of greek scientists a lot of works a lot of stuff that led up to that moment where he was like yeah oh this and and a lot of supporting work and i feel like totally that's the case with our game designs as well yeah it happens in a soup it's always a soup (laughs) never never just a a silo (laughs) yeah um yeah well so the the kind of thesis of the history stuff is like people you can't stop people from gathering together to have fun like people like to party and the way the way that we do that changes over time. And the thing that changes is um, transportation technology, basically. So mm-hmm. like, you know, you have you have like different methods of transportation, roads come around. Um, eventually you get like streetcars and, and stuff. And then eventually that changes to information technology. So like with right. the invention of the internet, that changes how we gather together in places but it's the gathering is like not all that different, even even with the tech stuff going on. Even with the even with the screen separation going on. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I I like you know I always I've said this before, but I think um, we tend to we we love your narrative designer. We love telling stories like Cubans, and we just keep figuring out new ways to tell them, like whether it's. You know, and and when people say like people don't care about narrative, I'm like ask ask a sports <laughs> enthusiast to talk about a game that they enjoyed, and they yeah. just go into this elaborate <laughs> thing. It's like we're just constantly using technology to be like, I should use it to tell this story, and and yes. yeah. So I feel like yeah, it'll be interesting to see where escape rooms go, but it was definitely fun to see where they came from and. And, you know, ways to think about it. Like, oh, I didn't think that would connect. But yeah, it does. This is, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Other things you touch on in this book, too. Like, uh, just things that, like, you ta- we take for granted now. Like, um, <laughs> so it'd be interesting. Like, at what point do you say, like, I think we have enough in this section? Because, you know, for instance, you have a section on uh, locks, right? Like, right. going through the different types of locks that you will encounter in an escape room and most escape rooms will might run you through how to use a lock but sometimes sometimes they don't uh sometimes you go in and you're like i don't understand what how this works exactly Uh, at what point did you like but for stuff like types of puzzles that you'll encounter there are so many different types of puzzles how did you go about deciding like how to limit (laughs) that like what what didn't make the cut and and why (laughs) yeah well, so much, so much stuff. I mean, I, it could have probably been twice as long because, like, there's so many different branches of the history, for example. Like, you know, I, I wasn't really able to talk very much about, like, um, tabletop games and and certain types of LARPs and, like, uh, you know, Gen Con has, like, a whole branch of stuff going on in terms of, like, games and, and puzzles and stuff that, like, I, you know – 
just, I couldn't, I couldn't include everything. So lo- loads of stuff got left on the table. Um, with, with the padlocks and stuff, like the types of puzzles, I, I tried to include like the stuff that I considered the most common figuring that if you're getting into it at that level, like you'll eventually discover a new thing for yourself. And like, you'll, you'll be working from like a base knowledge that's like sturdy enough that it's not like shocking when you encounter (laughs) that stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully it's like, it's enough. That's, that's really what the goal is. Like it's enough to kind of get you started. Like if you are, reading an enthusiast blog, you know what they're talking about at least. Like even if you haven't mm-hmm. maybe encountered it in person. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough to decide though, for sure. <laughs> like what's going to make yeah. it in and what's not. I bring up a good point about like just playing escape rooms. And I know that when my friends see me playing escape room, like they, they think, they think I might be smarter than them somehow. And I, mm-hmm. and I feel like saying, no, I'm, I'm really not. I've just played way too many escape rooms that I start to recognize the puzzles. Like you say, the barrier of entry seems high because if you've never done puzzles before, of course you're going to, you know, encounter them and think like, what the heck is this? Right. I understand. But like, just as an example, my friends and I were playing um, Escape Simulator the other day. Have you tried that yet? I love that game. It's really cute. And it's actually a good low you know low barrier way to introduce my friends to escape rooms uh and it has a lot of the tropes in it but there was a certain puzzle i won't i won't spoil what it was um but there was a certain puzzle in there a lot of them are are a little bit more a little bit more processed but there was one like a little bit more of an aha type puzzle and it took me a couple minutes but then i realized like wait i'm in an escape room and and i and i made (laughs) i made the connection like oh this thing is like this and and they just gawked and they're like, how, how did you get that? And I'm like, because I've, I've seen this puzzle like 50 times right. before. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm like, it, it's, it wasn't a magic thing in my brain. I am, I am no smarter. And I think, yeah, once you get used to the puzzles, it's, it starts to become like, you just look for the patterns more than you yeah. you try to solve them, I guess. Yeah. There's so much pattern recognition. Yeah. I mean, I, there's like a whole chapter in the book about how to think about playing almost, you know, mm-hmm. like how to look at a room when you first come in and like, that's the kind of stuff, you know, it's the same for video games. Like oh, yeah. video, video games are systems of rules. And part of the game is, pushing up against where, like trying to find where the walls are basically to like, you know, if I press this button, am I going to explode? Am I going to fall off this cliff? Like you have to learn the system of rules and then you can like master whatever the the mechanics of the game are. And it's the same for escape rooms. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, cause you know, we opened one of the first ones, I guess in the country in 2014. So yeah. when we were, when we were doing that, like, 99% of the people playing had never seen an escape room before. And right. so like, that was really, really instructive because people come in and they think that it's magic. Right. And it's right. like, no, no, like, it's cool. Don't touch the outlet. Like it's not going <laughs> to transform into something like, you know, the, but, but because people had no idea what to expect, you know, like you have to teach them in the design, what the expectation yeah. is a lot of the time. Um, yeah. And, and so that's, that's, I, 
tried to outline that in one of the book chapters, like, here's what to look for, like what moves and what doesn't, what's left. And what do you think? Okay, well, I can't solve this now, but I'm going to come to it later. Just the kind of basic things that we all do automatically as enthusiasts, because we have seen it before, but like actually trying to articulate that for somebody was really interesting and, and kind of refreshing actually. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I guess your, your experience, cause you have, you have both sides of it, right? You're an escape enthusiast. You love playing them, but you're also an escape room owner. And so you've also had the kind of objective eye, uh, <laughs> yeah. an objective eye on like a team playing and that sort of thing. And yes. that, that must've been useful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very revealing watching teams come in, especially uh, corporate teams, about like where <laughs> where you would and would not want to work, <laughs> just based on <laughs> you know pe- people from like um, let's say s- sports based companies um, mm-hmm. are usually great, very team oriented, like oh, super they, communicative, they be, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, I, let's say like engineering based firms, for example usually not very good at it. Usually every single person there is the smartest person in the room and they do not want (laughs) to share the glory. They do not want to communicate with each other. They want to be the one to solve it, which of course we know is like doomed to fail. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that that was really instructive in, in sort of spheres outside of the escape room, really. So what, what I have to, I do have to ask what role uh, do you usually have at an escape room when you play? That's a so I like to keep stuff organized. I like to be the one who's like, okay, everything on this table, and we're gonna like sort it <laughs> and we're gonna discuss really clearly what's been used and what hasn't been used. Um, you know, checking taking the step back to check in with people, see what we've been working on, like, hey, maybe you should swap with this other person if you're you're having tunnel vision, you know. Yeah. Um I I like word puzzles a lot also. So I'm I like that kind of stuff. Um feels so good to just like guess the whole sentence before you've solved it like that's the best <laughs> in the whole world it's a cool feeling actually I, I've, I've been there where it's like oh is it this and there's like oh yeah didn't yeah. even have to go through it yeah totally. <laughs> so i love that kind of stuff um that's or, or too also like if we're playing with people who are newbies like i you know i still think it's kind of fun to Take a, take a step back and, like, let people have their moment to solve stuff, you know? Yes, I, yes. I really enjoy that part of it, too. That was a big lesson for me, actually, was uh, when I would bring newbies to an escape room and learning to, yeah, like you say, step back, sit back, let them solve it. You know that the wire leading to the door is going to probably <laughs> pop it open when you in- insert that code. But they don't know that. And that's still right. going to be magical for them. Or like, you know, the answer, you might even know the answer to the puzzle. And so that was a big thing. And, I, and Errol, actually, I took cues from him because he he would just like he would solve a puzzle and then he would hand whatever component he got out of a box to another player and say, why don't you put it in the lock? Yeah. That's the exciting yeah. part, right? Totally. <laughs> well, and it's it's funny because you to- you get to a point where like you can be giving the hints to somebody to solve it because like you know what you should be doing in order to do it, and so then like they don't feel like they're asking for hints and failing in that way because they couldn't get it. There, it's just like 
a tip from their teammate, but like, then they get, yeah, they get yeah. their little moment of triumph and yeah, the yeah. satisfaction of putting it into the lock and the lock opens. It's that click is so nice. The click, the click <laughs> is still satisfying. And, yeah. Yeah. Now that being said, I don't, I don't, I don't often know the answer before them or anything, <laughs> but there are occasions where I'm like, I know how this is going to work, but I'm not going to say anything. Uh, Errol usually has all the puzzles solved in his head and he's just dancing around the room, having a fun time <laughs> until we run down to five minutes and he's like, oh, okay, here, this is the answer. This is the answer. That's the answer. And you're like, gosh, darn it. Wow. Why are you holding back? He's like, yeah, it's fun. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So that's that's cool. Um, yeah, you have a you have quite a few sections in here, and and it's great. You also had other people uh, contributing as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. do a bunch of interviews in the book. Um, some of the stuff that I thought was really fun is I got to talk to the folks who started Five Wits and Parapark, which were oh. Um, like some, some really early examples of like, I would call it like proto escape rooms or, or like the first escape rooms really say, um, I didn't actually get to speak to the founder of scrap, but I included a bunch of stuff from interviews with him as well. So, so there's a chapter on each of those, um, because like that, it kind of coalesced in this, like energy where people were like, I want to come, I want to solve stuff like in, in different ways. Yeah. I, I guess there was a kind of like, uh. I don't know. It's the soup, right? Like it just, yeah. (laughs) it was the right time in history for these things to open in Tokyo and in Budapest and in uh, Baltimore, I think was the first uh, five wits. Um, I could be wrong. Don't quote me. (laughs) So would you recommend, like, I imagine this is a book that enthusiasts can own that they can then lend to people that that (laughs) might be interested in escape rooms as well like as as well as people buying the book on their own like if they're like oh i would love to do an escape room but i don't know how look there's an entire book on this and yeah yeah i feel like people now at least know one person that will be that will is an escape room enthusiast (laughs) (laughs) it seems like must Well, and I, I mean, I like to hope too. like some of the principles in it, it doesn't have to just be for escape rooms. Like it can yeah. be for like, are you interested in LARPing or tabletop games or even video games? Like there's a lot of sort of basic design principles or like how to work in a team kind of stuff that is like applicable to more than just one situation. Like, you know, yeah. how to work in a team. If you're like somebody's manager in a business, it's not different <laughs> like no understand <laughs> strengths and weaknesses and help set them up for success like that's not you know it, it there's yeah. more lessons than are just for escape rooms i think that's <laughs> I, I think so too well like anything with a team-based thing is and where you're interacting with other people and you need to solve something together i i think it could be really useful I, I know with video games especially when we you know first pop into a a virtual room together and we're just kind of running around like chickens with our heads cut off because <laughs> we don't have the controls yet. The voice chat's kind of weird. All of us want to talk about what's in the place. And we like, you know, it's like, Oh, I see this enemy here or I see this puzzle here or whatever. Does anyone listening to me? Why is no one listening to me? Even just <laughs> figuring out communication uh, and, and, Figuring out how to listen to each other can be a challenge, even yeah. if it's not an escape room, even if it's just yeah. you 
walking into a room and in a conference or something. And you need right. to <laughs> and you need to organize something. Yeah. Like yeah. figuring out that is is really important. It could be really handy to to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the stuff that I was talking about, you know, in, in an escape room, I like to, it's like, okay, let's collect all this stuff and we're going to organize it here. And let's, let's make sure like it's all visible and easy to use. I mean, that's, I do that in my real life for all sorts of stuff. You know what I mean? Like tra- <laughs> I was traveling say, it kind of connects. And- it kind of connects back to your like first days in ARGs, right? You mentioned you were on the for like organizing the forums, organizing the yes. community thing. So it does make yes. sense that you would be the organizer at the escape room. Like, <laughs> all right, here's all of our puzzles, everybody. Who's yes. going to do what? I'll check I'm a in in five minutes. At heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like to bring it back to the to the ARG stuff, like one of the things um that I kept doing. So I I played Perplexity, which um was around 2005, 2006, and mm-hmm. uh like to summarize for people who are not familiar with that one, um, the that one is a story of like a parallel universe where they love puzzles and an artifact from their world was stolen and hidden somewhere on Earth. So like that's the kind of storytelling behind it. Oh. It was all told through blogs and stuff, but then they also released foil packs of cards for sale that were puzzle oh cards. And uh, yeah, so it was like all, it was all puzzle based. And then there were, there were periodic live events and, and things like that. So that, that was perplexity. Um, and so I have, I do have a really good story related to that to share, but yeah, um, please. <laughs> one of the things that I, I did for perplexity was help um, run the player wiki. And that's because mm. like, again, nobody documents anything. And so like later when a puzzle is referencing something, you're like, what are what were we doing? Cause it's all live. It's all ephemeral. Like we were all talking in IRC constantly. And so that's all gone, you know? Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I was always trying to do was like, let's footnote this, let's document it. Let's make a website that like at least explains what the heck we're talking about here. Um, and then that led to stuff like making new player onboarding. So like if you're joining this game a year into it, what do you need to know? That kind of stuff. Oh, that is one of my <laughs> biggest barriers of entry. Even today when there's like some game, online game or something with a lot of lore and yeah. you're just kind of jumping in and you're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> People don't use wikis anymore. They use like Imgur file dumps or like it's all on Reddit somewhere. And it's really, really difficult I found to parse. Like it's kind of, it's sad that that's like not a part of it anymore. Um Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> my my Perplexed City story is yes. puzzle related. <laughs> so um, yeah, so 2006, they release all these foil packs of cards. Um, they range in difficulty from like very, very easy to supposed to be impossible, right? So that's like red um, all the way up to like black, which is sort of normal, Ooh. normal, but difficult. Yeah. Uh, and then silver were like the impossible cards. Um, yeah. And so, so those were ones where there was one where you had to do like distributed computing to like decrypt this thing that was called the Thirteenth Labor, um, and yeah, I, it was it was great stuff. One of them was the Riemann hypothesis, which is like an impossible mathematical proof of some kind. Which is like they kind of included that one as a joke. So that one's like, well, that's never going to get solved. Um, but then there was one called Billion to One, which was the last card in the set. It was number two hundred fifty six. Uh, that I got obsessed with. I was obsessed <laughs> with it. So 
So that one was, it's a guy's selfie. Um, and he's okay. just sort of like standing in front of this like European background. And on the side of the card in Japanese, it says, find me. And that was it. The, it was supposed to be a six degrees of separation puzzle. And you're supposed to find somebody based on just the photograph. Um, there was there was a hint line running at the time that said, my name is Satoshi. So we had his first name. But Satoshi is okay. a really common name. It's like John. Okay. Okay. For, for American names. Yeah. Like, so that was like, it, it was one of those things. Again, I was looking around and I was like, what hasn't been solved here? And that was one of the ones that people like were not really actively solving. There, there was like a website for it. Um, that was supposed to be like tracing the chain of people who, you know, in the six degrees of separation, who, whoever ends up finding him, it was going to, you know, the chain was going to be marked, marked down, but nobody was sort of like doing outreach or like getting it in the, the news and stuff. And again, the internet was pr- pretty different at the time. Facebook, you had to have like a university email to oh, sign up to it. Oh, I remember it. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was YouTube. when Facebook was the young hip thing. Like it was. The young hip people did it. And yeah. It like, well, it was actually for people in your school. It was like a literal yeah. Facebook from the 50s where it was like, who are you in class with? That was what it was for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Like YouTube was brand new. Like the big websites were like, it was like Dig. That was where you got yeah. news and stuff. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, I was like, well, let's like make a website and get this out there. And so I, I did this. I got, you know, I, I was like on the news for it. I, Totally randomly, a couple of years later, I was in a job that had a meeting nearby the place where this guy's photograph was taken. So I like got to actually go visit Kaisersburg, where you know. Um, so I, I didn't figure any of that out. Obviously, like somebody way cleverer than me, like identified the background for really, really quick. Um, but I got to go like stand on the spot where the photo was taken, and you know, there were just sort of like the interest came back periodically. Like somebody would do a podcast about it and, and there would be like a little That's spike. So cool. Yeah. Well then <laughs> in oh. 2020, I was on um, a YouTube channel called inside a mind, which talks about like old args and kind of like yeah. unsolved, but solvable mysteries. Like that's the key part of that is like, they're solvable. It's not like a missing persons thing where someone's just like vanished off yeah. the face of the earth. It's like constructed mysteries, right? It's like someone's designed this to be solved. It just yeah. hasn't been solved yet. Yeah. Right. Um, and they, they go through args and stuff. And, and so they, they found this thing the the my project is called find satoshi and they i did an interview on it and this is a youtube channel that has like half a million subscribers which is wild um but obviously a huge spike in interest right and then in december 2020 someone found satoshi Oh, like, my it gosh. Got yeah. So like, after 14 years. 14 years to solve yeah. this arg. Yeah. I, I kept the torch burning the whole time. I was carrying that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like he will be um, found. He will yeah. be found. But then someone found him. They they used um, an AI oh facial recognition search engine thing, put the photo in. They found a photo that had been uploaded in 2018. So like in theory, what? not findable before that. Um, and they identified him and we reached out to this person and it was Satoshi. 
Well, as you say, the internet is a very different place now, yes. right? Like, I feel like the internet at the time, everybody was using it, but it was like also in its early day, like it was, it was just ramping up, you know, yeah. and like MSN Messenger was still popular. Yeah. Uh, and also, <laughs> but like, I just find the people that you can throw at a problem now, like you throw up on a, a thing on the internet now, you might get a million people or like 500,000 listeners yeah. uh, throwing their efforts into it. And, and that makes difference. And plus, yes. our technology is just better now. Like, you know, yeah. nobody, nobody playing an ARG in the day would have like a facial recognition something app. Like that was like, oh, yeah, I'll just re- download it to my phone. And that's it. And, <laughs> at the time, it was like, I wonder if there's somebody at like, the FBI I could contact. Oh, right. Sort of, you know, like, I'm like, how would we have done facial recognition back in the day? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it wasn't solved with six degrees of separation. It was solved with this this new technology that I'm dubious about. You know, I don't necessarily think it's used I don't, always for good. I don't. I don't always trust. <laughs> yeah, no. Every time I was like, oh, just take a picture of your face. I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it it was solved with technology of the day, and um, it did bring a whole bunch of us together. Um, the the person who found him actually is um, named Thomas. He's in Germany. And then of course, Satoshi's in Japan. Um, Yeah. And then there's, there's sort of one other connection about this too, which is like, I met my husband playing this game. This is like back in 2006. He was one of the designers on the game. Oh my Um, God. Oh, wow. He helped design. So did he know the answer? Did he? He did know the answer. Oh, oh my God. He designed. Hang on. This this conspiracy. So you've been married (laughs) to him and you've been obsessed with this mystery. And like, how did he hold fast? Like, did you, did you like, did you ever like try to get hints at him because you strike me as the type of person who would also be like no i need to do this on my own i'm not gonna cheat exactly right i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like you know but that that seems like now i have a conspiracy theory where you married him for his answer yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so well so i did i will say i did not know at first when we were like dating that it was his puzzle Um, fantastic. But I did make him promise to never reveal the answer to me because I was like, I mean, and, well, he wouldn't have done it anyway because as the designer, yeah. he he also wants people to solve it the right way and Naturally, have the pleasure yeah. of solving it. But I was like, if you tell me, I will kill you because all of that work <laughs> would have been for nothing. Oh um, my goodness, that is fan- that is like an extra level of fantastic to an already fantastic yeah. story. That's a good one. <laughs> I I enjoy that story. Yeah. <laughs> I will say one time, so I, I would keep him updated because like I'd get emails and stuff from people who were like, here's some information. One time I was like, hey, I got this email that said, oh, he's in LA. And I saw my husband react to that. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 I'm just watching every eye twitch and it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Oh but, my gosh, that's funny. It, yeah. So so it was really good fun for both of us. Um and there's actually going to be a documentary that's coming out sometime this year about it. Um that Ooh. where they they talk to everybody who was involved and yeah, and it's really it was really fun to participate in and it's like it's a really fun and cute documentary. I mean, it's a cute story like 
oh, I'm so glad that it's solved finally. Cause that was, you know, <laughs> maybe, was- maybe after 20 years had passed, I would have said, okay, I need a hint, but <laughs> I need a- <laughs> it only, it only took that'd 14. Be, so that would be like your 40th anniversary, like gift yeah. or something. Right. Just like, <laughs> yeah. here you go. Uh, it reminds me of like, well, it reminds me of like, just, I know we're like tangenting like crazy, but this is a great story. Uh, um, like a crime that hasn't been like a cold case. Right. And then mm-hmm. you suddenly come in with something like, have you ever heard of DNA? Right. Like right. When, when DNA technology caught up or like got more advanced. And so they were able to like go back to old mysteries and cold cases that hadn't been solved to be like, Oh, right. Look at that. We have yeah. actual DNA that we can go catch this person now. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. Anyway, sorry, getting back to your book. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a great little side story. Um, <laughs> one of the things I enjoyed about it as well is that, there, like, you, we've touched on it a little bit, but there are certain things that you might not think about when you're doing an escape room, uh, things that you have to think about. And I love that there is a section on um, how to actually, like, treat yourself during an escape room, like, keeping keeping healthy, keeping energetic. That was one of the hard lessons I had to learn was like, if you play more than one escape room, even if you just play one, like the energy it takes, making sure you're hydrated, making sure you're fed. That was something I didn't think about at first. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But it's become really important. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Yeah. As, As we get older, for sure. It's like, I just don't have the energy for it. I need to sit down, but... But it's true. I mean, because the fun thing about escape rooms is like they really do immerse you. You really are sort of swept away and you like literally get to escape for an hour or whatever because you're so very much in the flow of the game that everything else just falls away. Right. And so like, yeah, afterward is when you're like, oh, my back really hurts because I was like crawling for some time or whatever it is, you know, (laughs) like. Man, that was a really heavy concrete floor, wasn't it? Like, I've been standing in some bad shoes for a bit. Like, that kind of stuff. Um, that kind of stuff. I've considered bringing knee pads now to escape rooms. Because, like you said, concrete floors, man, I just, like, I feel my knees start to complain the moment I see, like, a crawl space that you have to crawl through. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is going to be bad. I just yeah. feel it. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, yeah. of, one of the first times I really recognized that is like, so we were playing a game called Two Rooms and a Boom, which is like, yeah. a, it's like a 20 person game that you, you get assigned cards and there's sort of like multiple stages where you have a secret identity and you're having to trade people back and forth, whatever. It's, you know, oh it's, a, it's like a, a big party game. It's really, really it's, fun. Yeah. It kind of feels like a LARP almost. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It totally has LARP principles. Um. But I, I was playing it at this event and we were having so much fun. I was like, again, again, I like just keep, you know, I just kept wanting to play it and play it and play it. And the next day, my whole body, I was just dead. <laughs> just dead <laughs> yeah. because of the floor we had been standing on. And I just had not given myself a break. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to do this to myself again. And so, yeah, I, I did want in the book to like remind people like, you know, if, if we're spending all this time and care, making a cool team and making yeah. sure everybody's having fun and making sure like nobody else is getting frustrated and we're all being super nice to each other. We should also be nice to ourselves while we're at it. <laughs> Drink some water, make sure yeah. that we, you know, cause it, it's like you get major decision fatigue 
um, just because your brain whatever uses up all its mm-hmm. like glucose stores, basically it's like, I, I, I actually can't remember if I had included this in the book or not. Um, but it's like in, when you're buying a car, like all of the little fiddly details, which are like expensive mm-hmm. upgrades come at the end. So you have to make all these really big choices to, in this like branching choice structure. Yeah. And then right at the end, it's like all of the default things cost money and you've run out of like energy at that point. And so that's why they, you know, it's designed, yeah. it's designed to, to be placer. Mm. And so it, it's just something you can do. Like it's a favor to you, to your gameplay, but also to your teammates to like, mm-hmm not not have like low blood sugar and get cranky or or you know you're you're just going to be a better puzzle solver too if you're like making sure that you're taking care of yourself so yeah i know if we're going on an escape room binge like our levels of asking hints goes up as we get toward like the end of the game and that's not because we we we're not capable of solving it at this point our brains might not even be soup but we just <laughs> We just don't want to anymore. Like we did, just we're yeah. out of we're out of energy. We just we just want to like just I, we want to see the cool thing now, and we're we're good. Yes. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went on a trip um, a few years ago with a bunch of friends of mine who are like um, game designers and academics and stuff. We went to Kuala Lumpur, um, mm-hmm. and it was specifically to like marathon as many escape rooms in a week as we could. And uh, yeah, so we did actually record a podcast about it. I got to give a shout out to that. It's called Every Game in This City. Um, oh, so, I remember that. Yeah. I remember yeah. That. So yeah. It, it was it was super fun. I, it's funny because like listening back to it, I don't remember most of the stuff that we recorded because we were so tired by the end. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yep. exactly what you're saying. By the end, like we, we have these photographs where, I mean, we're like joking around because it was really fun, but we're just like all flopped around because it's like we can't even take a group photo anymore because we're so beat. Just by yeah. like doing multiple ones in a day, every single day. Uh, yeah. And yeah, the hinting was fast and furious. <laughs> I know. It's just like, why don't you just have it feed through every once in a while? <laughs> find the hint. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So amongst uh, a couple final questions here. So in terms of your group, uh, I mentioned I asked you about your own role, but do you have a, a central group that you have or do you have do you have a few escape room groups? I find that I have a few now. And how has your play style adjusted as you move from group to group or is it basically the same? Yeah, I mean, I do. There's we do have a couple of groups of people that we like to play with. Um, you know, it's it's like. A bunch of people um, who were part of our like original puzzle crew, you know, when, when we want to do new ones here, like we, we call them up and if they haven't done them yet, we'll all do those together. Mm-hmm. A different group of people for online games, because this is, this is one of the big tips too, is like, um, I got, I got this from David actually. Uh, he had, he had recommended, sorry, David Spira, um, yes. of Room Escape Artist. Sorry, I'm like, I really should get better at like being like, say a last name, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I spoke to um, David and Lisa of Room Escape Artist for the book as well. And I got their best tips for enthusiasts for doing in-person rooms as well as online rooms. Um, and one of the tips that they offered for the online stuff was 
do those games with people that you don't see in person all the time, because it's like, it's a cool and special way to connect with people who you might not actually be able to play these games with normally if they're like in, you know, somewhere distant from you. Um, So yeah, we have a a separate group of people that we play online games with um, who we wouldn't necessarily get to see in person otherwise. Um, But actually really at this point, like my husband and I play games together and like, we are a lean, mean, efficient puzzle solving machine. Like, <laughs> we can yep. basically read each other's minds in the game. And like, I just know I, I see something I'm stuck. I know he's going to be good at, I hand it off. And I, you know, like the communication mm. is like really easy. <laughs> um, so, so that's really at this point, like the most fun is like when we're playing games together, but yeah, we do have a, we do have a couple grooves for ones that require more people and um. Yeah, for for the online games and stuff. <laughs> I think that's a good point, and I think it's it's something that, like one, I mean, the one of the main purposes of your book is like all these lessons that we tended to learn the hard way. Now there is kind of like a guide that you can look at. But one of the biggest payoffs is when you reach that team, like when the team building has been done, and now you're yeah. just a team, right? Yeah. I think we, we interviewed a team b- building person in the past, and she said, escape rooms are team breaking, not team building. And right. technically, or, um, or I think, or it's like team, dis- like you discover more about yourself than you do actually build anything. But that's only if you're playing it once right if you go in with a group of people once yeah you discover a bit about yourself uh but you know as far as building anything that doesn't happen building happens over several games and when you get to that point with your team where yeah you're basically reading your minds we know who to hand certain things to we know our own frustration levels they know our frustration levels so they know when to step in and take something from us and that's a great moment because not a lot of talking happens after that it's kind of crazy how that happens and yeah it yeah. feels good to be seen in that way, just to kind of know and to be able to, yeah, to be in that flow state together feels really good. Yeah. yeah. That's that's really the thing that I miss the most from, you know, being in lockdown, not being able to go to in-person games yeah. these days. Um, that's, I really miss that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We're... We're, we're getting there. We had a very yeah. brief period in Ontario where we weren't locked down and escape rooms opened up again. And that was a very happy time for me. And we're back in lockdown again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah. At any rate, uh, thank you very much for, for coming on here today. Um, as a final question, if you had... Uh, I don't know if I should, like, I've, I feel like I'm like, if you had, usually my, my questions go along of like, if you had advice for like new players or anything, but you have a whole <laughs> book on it. So yeah. <laughs> if, if there was a, a single thing you could tell people about playing a new escape room, what might it be? And you, and you are allowed to answer by the book. If, <laughs> <laughs> if that's the answer. <laughs> I will definitely, definitely buy the book. Um, <laughs> Uh, aside from buying the book, though, I, I would say, you know, again, coming back to that principle that I learned when I was first starting out, like, it's supposed to be fun. And yeah. all of the stuff that I talk about in the book and recommend about team building and taking care of yourself and like, setting your correct expectations and kind of like starting out with a base of knowledge. It's all in service of that. It's also that you're having the most fun possible. It's a yes. challenge that you're like, willingly engaging in. But the idea is like, it's not, it's not 
frustrating in a bad way. It's frustrating in a good way because you get to come through it on the other end. So I think that's that's really the the thing that I would like encourage for newbies because you know, it's, if you get in there and you fail your first room ever, like maybe you don't ever go back. And that's what I'm hoping to avoid. I want more people to be enthusiasts because then we all get more games for everybody to enjoy. get more games. And then maybe hundreds of years from now when people are digging up (laughs) old books and needing to figure out what the hell people in the 21st century were doing, they can be like, maybe they can continue on the escape room condition uh, tradition yes it's been well documented yes exactly because when the apocalypse (laughs) happens you know all of that digital information will go away too (laughs) 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 well thank you so much once again and if people would like to find you whether it's your book or your escape rooms or whichever what have you uh where can they go yeah, so um, fi- you can find us online. We're at meridianadventureco.com. Uh, that has links to the game here in Portland, which is um, The Forgotten Forest. It has links to our online game, which is The Traveler's Guide to Little Soderberg. Uh, you can also visit the separate website for that, which is thetravelers.guide. Um, it has a link to the book, which is through Simon & Schuster. Again, the title is Planning Your Escape, um, and it's by L.E. Hall. I used my shortened name for that. Um, you can find me online, my portfolio and stuff. Everything is under Laura E. Hall. So, like, That tw- was Twitter. very useful <laughs> when I yeah. was looking stuff up, and I'm like, as soon as you put the E in the center – boom it's just totally. like there's the instagram there's the twitter everything yes oh. <laughs> uh, so laura laraehall.com twitter slash laura e hall my instagram is lau hall i didn't snag that but if you search you can find it um yeah follow follow me on all those places um meridian adventure co's on on twitter and instagram which you can find linked from all that stuff so yeah i'd love to see people online and chat more about all this stuff and yeah, yeah if you if you do end up buying the book send me a picture of yourself with it because yeah, You know, it seems like this big fancy thing, but it's really just me in a room, like in the pandemic, hoping that people are buying it too. So it's really <laughs> nice when people show support like that. It's it really, it genuinely, every single one makes mm-hmm. a difference to me and means so, so much to me. So I, I, thanks to all of those people who bought it already and sent, sent me a picture with the cover. It's so, so nice. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, I will talk us out and we will get going. Great. Release. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. <laughs> Thank you. This was this was fun and now and also I'm going to be looking for that documentary. I just I Oh great. That seems like a really cool story and I'm I'm a sucker for that kind of thing, especially nice. a mystery that hasn't been solved for twenty <laughs> yeah. years and, or fourteen yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. All right. Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also email me at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. I love getting emails. Uh, If you go onto Facebook, we have a Room Escape Divas Facebook page. Just click the like button. Every Friday night, we do have community meetups at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's just a grand old time where a few of us hang out, talk about escape rooms, talk about the pandemic, talk about whatever we want. mostly games and sometimes even (laughs) test out each other's puzzles so um yes do come and join there and you could find that information on the facebook page Uh, and if you are on twitter you can use the hashtag redivas thanks everyone
Bye-bye. Bye.